the first times I met this, this man was before he was, became president of the United States, we were all sitting around in a, in a, in a hotel room in Chicago. And we were thinking, you know, when we're meeting, this guy's going to be present. We better ask him a few hard questions. So we started saying, well, hold on, this special relationship that we're supposed to have, Ireland and America, you know, we don't have the same real deal that, the, say, the United Kingdom has. We have to have special, these Morrison visas. I mean, if we're supposed to have a special relationship, you know, we need, you know, we, we, we want, you know, the same access that the people of the UK have. And somebody in our band, and I'm never going to tell you who it was, said, ah, for fuck's sake, Bono, if <coughs> they hadn't got that, everyone would move to America. <laughs> and uh, I hold that over the particular member of our band now, because if he ever really gets out of control, I'm going to tell who it is, and he won't be served in any pub in this city. You, let, me, uh, yeah. let me say, first of all, um, by the way, I just say, line up, or wherever the microphone's over, because you're next. <clears throat> Lisa. We, what happened, well, I think the world had a very negative reaction to the bad turns in the Middle East, which I think are dimly understood beyond the borders of Israel and the Palestinian territories. And by our sort of sudden announcement that we were going to withdraw from the Kyoto Treaty, we're going to withdraw from the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty, we're going to withdraw from the International Criminal Court and all that. In 2000, we didn't have this bad particularly bad feeling. We, we were making peace toward, progress toward peace in the Middle East. We had the, the America led uh, with his leadership, the big international debt relief endeavor. We tripled overseas uh, aid support. We did a lot of those things. But I, I would like to say that, that the biggest problem we have with aid, which Bono was talking about in America, is that, um, and it's slightly different than it was a few years ago, is that Americans don't understand. They think two things that are wrong. Free people can't make good decisions if they have bad information. Most Americans think we spend far more than we spend on foreign right. aid, and they believe the programs don't work, and they're wrong on both counts. And I talked about this repeatedly when I was president. One thing I learned is even if you're president, just because you're talking doesn't mean somebody's listening. <laughs> I uh, know the same thing. But, but true, it, it, all the surveys show in our country, if you ask people, how much of your budget do you think goes for foreign aid, they'll, great, the biggest plurality will say 10 to 15 percent. Well, how much do you think should go? 3 to 5 percent. But the fact is, we spend less than 1 percent. Presidents proposed increasing it by 50 percent between now and 2006, but when we do that, we'll still be spending 20 percent less of our income than we were in 1995, the last year. It's the only partisan remark I'll make. The last year I had a budget passed by Congress where my party was in the majority. But my party's not very good on aid. None of us, we were, now in the early 90s we can be forgiven for this. We had terrible budget problems and we were in a terrible economic crisis. But we should have been, we changed in that a long time ago. I'm telling you, for, this is, we can double aid. We can double aid. Now look, get the facts though. We did. <laughs> We did Debt Relief 2000. We tripled overseas aid support. We gave 2 million microenterprise loans a year. We did a lot of things, but we weren't spending near enough money. We could literally double aid for less than 20% of the executive branch's request for defense and domestic defense increases. We could have a 100% increase in aid for less than 20% of the requested increases. 
And, you know, we're making progress. I applaud what the president did in Monterey. I think it was a very good thing. And I thank Bono for helping him get there. But we're going to have to do a little more. And like I say, it's cheap. It's, we can do our part in the Afghan, I mean in the AIDS deal, for seven weeks of the Afghan war. We could do our part putting the world's 130 million kids in school for approximately six weeks of the Afghan war. We could do our part in a comprehensive global economic development initiative for approximately eight weeks of the Afghan war. This is not rocket science. This is all cheaper, in my judgment, than the consequences. One other thing we didn't say about AIDS, and I'll just I'll stop. There was a court case in South Africa and settled in which the drug companies promised to negotiate agreements with every country with a substantial AIDS problem to lower the cost of the life-saving AIDS drugs. Brazil is the only poor country that produces its own drugs, although India can and will doubtless do so now. Brazil cut the death rate by 50% and the hospitalization rate by 80% in three years. The Bush administration took the right position there. They took the same position we did, which is that we wouldn't defend the patents and they had to negotiate the AIDS deal. But after the settlement was made, nobody was put in charge of making sure that these deals were made. So that's why Bono's got these, these terrible stories in South Africa. There's nobody in charge of making sure that every single country and every single drug company cut these deals, do it now, figure out what the annual cost is, and figure out how to send the rest of us a bill for the difference between what they can pay and what the price is. I mean, the law is on our side on this deal now. And it's tragic that it hasn't been done, but it could be done within six months. Well, all right. I'll just observe we're headed for a $100 billion deficit in this fiscal year, and it looks worse in the next fiscal year. Yeah, that's because I'm getting a tax cut. <laughs> well, <laughs> nice hey, time. give it back. Give it back. I'd like it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Tell us uh, who you are and uh, ask your question, please. I'm Rosalie Parker, and I'm from Johns Hopkins School for Advanced International Studies. And I believe that our attempts to solve the problems that we've been talking about tonight, trade, AIDS, and debt, are hampered at every level by corruption. If you agree with me that corruption is a problem of the first order, how, what do you think that we in this room can do to solve that? Bono, you lead off, uh, because Paul O'Neill, of course, one of his problems with what you were saying in Africa was that the money wasn't getting there. Well, uh, one of the real misnomers about um, our campaign is that we wanted debts cancelled <coughs> without conditions. That's simply not true, and uh, conditions uh, we were up for certain conditions, not the structural adjustment or the sort of... Um, we didn't want the World Bank and the IMF running, um, micromanaging uh, sovereign states <coughs> from uh, Bretton Woods, but we did want um, uh, clear um, uh, poverty reduction programs in place, we and we wanted clear and transparent process. By the way, if I may, I think she was talking about corruption from the local level up, yeah, where yeah, no, officials get, it's not, it's not yeah, a cancellation of debt, they get the money or the rice. Yeah, but then the not, I mustn't be explaining myself. Right. You, you can't get debt cancellation unless 
there is a clear and transparent process, i.e., if there isn't civil society having access to the books. In Uganda, for instance, they have a thing called the Poverty Action Fund, where they've ring-fenced the monies that freed up from, debt, from the debt cancellation. And, and you're allowed, you, you, you know, they're open, and people can see. And they brought corruption down from, <clears throat> they had 30% effectiveness at the start of the 90s to about 95 now. You are absolutely right that that is one of the biggest problems facing the continent of Africa, is lack of leadership and corruption. That's why this idea of making, if you like, reward-based so, uh, initiatives will work, because the bad guys don't get to the funds. So you're saying that we should hold out the carrots? Yes. And that that's your solution? That's right. Um, and it's sad to do that in a way, because you still need emergency aid for the bad guys and uh, because he can't hold their people to ransom completely. But for the bright ones and those the smart ones who actually are doing the right thing and where there's good governance and good government, we're saying to Europe and to America, these people, get at least get behind these. <clears throat> but I would argue that those are the ones that least need the help. Mr. President, why don't you, you take know, that? I, I, well, let me say, first of all, the there's no question that the targeted debt relief worked because we, we, we charted the money. Like in Uganda, in one year, they doubled primary school enrollment and lowered class size. Correct. In, uh, in uh, Honduras, they, in one year, they went from six years of mandatory schooling to nine. So, but there's also no question that the level of capacity differs from state to state in breathtaking degree and that corruption's a part of it. So what else should we do? I think, I think we, in states to where we don't have confidence in the government, we should do more work to the NGOs. We should go around them and undermine them when necessary. I think uh, we should also, there are places, there are very few places where everybody's corrupt from top to bottom. And there are, in those places, I think we should uh, offer rule of law projects and help people to develop systems which can help to root out corruption and be more honest. Then there are some places where I think we have to cut off support because the governments are so corrupt. But when you do, you have to have some alternative theory. You don't want to just be totally sticking it to the people. I mean, even in Iraq, uh, the, the common, Saddam Hussein tried to convince everybody we were hurting the children of Iraq with the sanctions, but it was a lie. He hurt them and claimed that we did it. But it, it, in the last two years when I left office, he had $3 billion a year more to spend on the human needs of his people than he did before the Gulf War. So it's, it, it's very tough. I think you, my own view is that you have to have a combination of carrots and sticks. I have found that in a lot of places, having a vigorous NGO community works. There are some places like Sierra Leone where if you can cut off uh, their access to the diamonds or people's purchase of the diamonds, you can really have an impact but usually you have to slowly create an environment in which there's more people that have an interest in being part of an honest system than a dishonest one.